God damn it, Hollywood. I told you to cut right, not left. Now look what you did. You ran the damn boat onto these rocks, and now we're stuck on this stupid-ass island. Uh, dude, it's not my fault. If we would have left on Sunday at the beginning of the week like we were supposed to, I wouldn't be all screwed up. But uh, I got a record player, and I got a generator, so we're good to go. Dude, I already told you the week starts on Monday. It was the end of the goddamn weekend. Anyway, listen, it's great. I'm glad you've got some great stuff there, but I don't think I want to be stuck on this desert island listening to only Kotzen and Soto until we get rescued. Well, I don't want to listen to Saxon and Rush either, but I got other shit we can listen to, so we're good. All right, cool. I got a couple of gems myself. So what do you say we crank these up and drop the needle? Okay, hold on. Let me try to figure out how to work this thing. 1975 record player. God damn it. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Hollywood. It's Thanksgiving week, and we are going to drop this bonus episode for our listeners right before they crank up the car and head over the hill to Grandma's house. We are going to give them a Desert Island album series episode. And for new listeners that haven't listened to the show yet, and they're just getting into the show, Desert Island series episodes are all about Sonny and myself picking basically what we consider an album of our choice that would come to a desert island with us. What else you got to say about that there, Hollywood? Well, it's better than listening to Christmas music all the way to grandma's house because it's a little early for Christmas music. So I figured this bonus episode was a good idea. Yeah, these are albums that we basically won't skip a track on the album. We love it from start to finish. Maybe we don't love every song, but we like every song at least enough not to skip it, right? Yeah, and for me, a lot of the times, you know, it's a emotional connection. Maybe something happened in my life at the right time, and I happened to come across this album at the time, or it's this combo of songwriting, vocals, and guitar and just music that just has the right amount of grease for whatever reason and it resonates with me that's right and so the two albums we got coming up for the listeners today that we're going to discuss are you want to tell them what yours is going to be i'm going with the bay area brothers night ranger with 1983's midnight madness it's a great record and i have selected dawkins 1987 release back for the attack both of these records the reason that we selected them 
well, they're both Desert Island records for each of us, but also we selected them because they were released in the month of November, which it's a holiday month, right? That's right, yeah. Depending on who you believe, some believe Midnight Madness was released at the end of October. I don't care. I say it's November, so there you go. It ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. There you go. A little controversy to start off right off the bat. (laughs) All right. So for the next uh, couple of weeks, it's going to be a family affair around here at Growing Up Rock. So next week's episode is going to be a Stevens mixed tape episode, which I recorded with my lovely wife. So that's going to be pretty cool. We're going to dive into her musical past, which there ain't much of, but it's an entertaining show. Then the following week, we got another Hollywood's Wild Hair, which you want to tell the listeners what that one's all about? Yeah, I recorded it with my 17-year-old daughter, Gianna. You get a feeling of the age gap for sure between a 50-year-old and his 17-year-old daughter for sure. It's a great episode and you get an idea of what a teenager is thinking nowadays. So like we said, the episode of Stevens Mixtapes will release on December 1st, which is this coming Sunday. And then the Wild Hair episode will release the following Sunday, which Sunday is our normal release day on the 8th of December. So it's a family affair for the holidays around here on Growing Up Rock. So that's pretty cool. I'm excited about that. That'll be fun for the listeners as well to get a little entertainment throughout the holidays, right? Yeah, and you're going to really like uh, (laughs) the Gianna episode because, you know, I'm a prep guy, so I had given her a bunch of stuff to look at and written up some stuff for her, which you'll get to know on the episode. But uh, in Gianna, 17-year-old fashion, she came to the recording with not having looked at anything. So she riffed it. And she did better than anybody that I've heard of so far that can riff it. So I was very surprised. That'll be awesome. All right. So before we get into this uh, episode coming up, I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about the way we've been recording the Grown Up Rock podcast, because I got to tell you, I got in trouble for using the F word on my own podcast, dude. You're being censored? Doesn't that person understand it's America? (laughs) So listen, our podcast is usually marked explicit because you and I both got kind of a mouse like a sailor and we drop the F word pretty frequently, although not near as much as some of our um, podcast compadres, right? On some of the other shows. Yeah, we're we're PG compared to those guys. Yeah. (laughs) However, my mother-in-law, so my wife's mother, is, of course, in for the holidays visiting, and she's a supporter of the show. She's made contributions to the show's hosting cost, and she is a regular listener. You know, she has no clue about rock and roll, and but she finds it entertaining and interesting, and so she She's listened to a lot of our episodes. Some of them I'm ashamed to say she's listened to. <laughs> but but she comes in uh, the other night and uh, and she says something to the effect of, yeah, so I got to tell you, I listened to that episode recently and it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a little raunchy. 
<laughs> and I'm like, uh, <laughs> oh, I was like, uh, well, we, we do use the F word quite often. I don't know that I get too much raunchier than that, but occasionally I use the F word. So, uh, bottom line is dude, we got to tune it back. <laughs> well, I got some feedback last week late that, uh, we're being too mean to, uh, Zeus and Tommy. So we gotta, we gotta turn it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but who was saying that? Their boyfriend Murph. <laughs> See, that's what. That's oh, that's what exactly the what they're talking about. about, huh? Oh, my bad. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to try not to use the f word here, but I got a little rant to go on. All right. For God's sakes, let let me let you go on your rant. What you got to talk about? My rant is about local bands that uh, play at the local club. I'm not going to share the names of the bands to protect the innocent, but I got five things that all local bands should think about. Number one, if you only have a 30-minute set, don't do any ballads, please. (laughs) Number two, if your front man or front woman doesn't play an instrument, he or she Better have some stage presence, otherwise they just look stupid. Number three, is there any way your band can have a meeting beforehand and possibly dress in all the same theme? Because I saw a local band where a guitarist was wearing a cycling jersey, the bass player was wearing a Punisher shirt, and the other guitarist was wearing a sleeveless Iron Maiden shirt. Come on. That's ridiculous. Number four. This person who has no stage presence, stop asking people to scream. You are nobody, and nobody cares about you. The new phone book's here! The new phone book's here! Well, I wish I could get that excited about but Nothing! Are you kidding? Page 73, Johnson, Maven, R. I'm somebody now! Millions of people look at this book every day! This is the kind of spontaneous publicity, your name in print, that makes people... And number five, if you spent all sound check making sure that the mic could hear or the mic was loud enough so everybody could hear you screaming, then why is your singing voice not as loud as your speaking voice when you're actually doing the singing? Like I was like, what's the point in doing the sound check to see if the screams come out loud when you actually scream in the song? Nobody can hear you anyway. (laughs) So this is like a top five things that bug Sonny about opening acts, local opening acts, I shall say. Yes. the fuck is Sonny Pony? Okay. Okay. On a positive note, I saw Restrain play the other night. They followed all five of the rules. They did two new songs. They opened with one new song. Crowded Ace of Spades in Sacramento. They had them going. Great job, guys. Uh, They got a new album coming out soon. I think it's on the... Chinese democracy timing, though, so uh, you know, it'll be out sometime in 2080. Um, my guess is it's going to be 2020, but they're working on it, I think, for two and a half years, so uh, it'll be out soon. It is. I got a snippet of it in my ear from Tony's phone at your birthday party, and it sounds very good. I'm excited to finally hear new material from those guys. 
And I did think that you, you live streamed some of it and I didn't see it live, but I went and watched some of the video and they sounded really good. And I was impressed because honestly, I, that might've been the first time I've ever seen the band live because I don't remember that I've seen any video live before that stuff that you posted the other night. So kudos to them. I'm glad that the slaughter gig went uh, awesome. Um, assuming that uh, one or more bands that opened up for slaughter were not to your liking. <laughs> I'm pleading the fifth there. I just say, everybody, please follow the five rules. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll try. We'll try to keep that in mind and maybe post flyers outside of the clubs for uh, all local bands to observe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of opening bands. What's your take on the whole Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison tour that actually hasn't been announced yet? The only thing that's really been said is that the crew blew up their contract and are going to play again. But as far as where and when and with who, that's kind of speculation, right? Yeah, here's my thoughts on it. I own every Poison album. I own every Def Leppard album. I own every crew album. Two out of those three bands have a Desert Island album on my list. I've seen all three bands live many, many, many times. And I could give two shits about this tour. <laughs> you couldn't pay me to go because I am not going through that hell. Brett sounds fine. I'm sure they'll be great. But uh, I'm done with seeing Poison Live. I don't care anymore. Def Leppard, the last couple of times I've seen him, I wasn't impressed. They never changed their set list. So I could care less. And there is no way I'm paying money to see Vince Neil on stage. That is not going to happen. So for once, I think that uh, Hollywood and I are we're on the same uh, wavelength here. I feel exactly the same way. There's no way that I'm going to pay to see the crew Def Leppard and Poison and here's the reasons why. Number one, Def Leppard and Poison both, neither one of them ever changed their set. So unless Def Leppard comes out and goes, yep, we're going to play high and dry from start to finish, which, by the way, will never happen. Or if they said we're going to play Pyromania from start to finish, I would actually consider that one as well. But they're not. So that's out. Poison, they would have to change their set list a whole lot, and I don't think they're going to do it. They haven't done anything in terms of set list in the past four or five years, four or five times I've seen them. Motley Crue, Vince Neil, I don't give a shit whether the dude's fat or not. I could care less. What I care about is the fact that he's singing every other fifth word, and it drives me fucking nuts. I don't need to hear that. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm sure not paying to see him in a stadium which, by the way, that would be a big mistake because there's no way they're selling out a stadium. So, yeah, I'm not doing it. And to the point of our friend over at Cobras and Fire, Baco, they've, they've only actually been gone for like four years. Does anybody really care about this? Yeah, I, I just, you know, there's people all up in arms about, but they signed a contract. They were never supposed to blah, blah, blah. And I feel bad, honestly, for the folks that, you know, lived in New York, flew all the way to LA, two, three nights in a hotel, maybe saw the last two shows. Like, I feel bad for those people because they're kind of getting a raw deal a little bit. But, the, you know, that happened to everybody that, you know, for the Kiss show, farewell tour, probably the same thing. I mean, 
that crap happens, but uh, yeah, there's no way they'll get any more of my money. And there was people on Facebook saying, well, what if Soto opened? Soto opens and you get these three bands and there's a thousand bucks to get a seat. I'm like, I could pay Soto a thousand bucks to play in my backyard and not have to worry about those other three bozos. Yeah. I'm glad we took a few minutes here to air our grievances out <laughs> during this Festivus season. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> Festivus. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this episode. You wanna you wanna go first with your uh, desert island pick? All right. So as we mentioned, Night Rangers, nineteen eighty three's Midnight Madness, produced by Pat Glasser, which I don't know a lot else about that guy. Uh, this was their second album on MCA, their second album total, honestly. And since you know it got released in eighty three, this year would make it thirty six years. So this point in Night Ranger history. They've been together about five years. Lineup is the original. Jack Blades on bass and lead vocals. Brad Gillis on guitar. Jeff Watson on guitar. Alan Fitzgerald on keyboards. Kelly Kiki on drums and lead vocals. So that's the original crew. Uh, first album, Dawn Patrol, had hit the top 50 on Billboard 200. So they were becoming huge on the West Coast. And I kind of got into Night Ranger in the 84 range because being an MTV kid, the videos were you know, on all the time and the songs were catchy. And since I went to school in the Bay area, you would see night Rangers t-shirts all over high school. And plus, you know, if you grew up in the Bay area and you're a rock fan, if you're not into night Ranger, they kind of take your card away. So, uh, but anyway, it's uh night Ranger has always been a staple kind of in my musical life because of where I grew up. So first side, first song, you Can Still Rock in America, written by Blades and Gillis, the perfect album opener. And I'll tell you, they probably freaked a little bit because Rock in America charted at 51, but the first album had Sing Me Away chart at 54 and Don't Tell Me You Love Me chart at 40. So when this thing like stalled at 51, I bet you there was people freaking that uh, uh, it didn't do better. But it's got, you know, that catchy riff, it's got the great keyboards, it's got the great melody, and it's definitely a rock song, and it's anthemic, but you can definitely hear the keyboards. I think it was a great first single, but uh, it, it didn't chart as well as uh, Don't Tell Me You Love Me. The second song, Rumors in the Air, written by Blades, you know, simple stuff like, used to call me by my first name, now you never even call me at all. That's just simple lyrics, and that's really what Night Ranger's all about. It's it's more about the melody and the memorable song in total than it is about some, you know, singing about dragons and medieval this and medieval that. It's more about choruses you can't get out of your head, and that's kind of what Rumors in the Air is like. The third song, Why Does Love Have to Change, written by Blades. To me, it's an underrated deep cut, never gets played. Simple lyrics like, check this out. In the heart, will the pain go away? Time heals all wounds, but the scars always seem to stay to haunt you another day. Like, again, just simple stuff. Uh, even the solos on this song are, like, hummable, unforgettable. So a uh, pretty great song, but nobody ever plays it.
and then the last song on side one, and then I'll get your feelings about this. Sister Christian, which obviously was their biggest hit, went to number five on the Billboard 100, charted for 24 weeks, went number one in Canada. I mean, the guitar solo was just by Gillis is perfect for the song. You know, you got a bunch of good looking guys singing about a girl. The female fans came out in droves to see him after stuff like this. Like if you wanted to know where all the women were on a night that Night Ranger played in the Bay Area, all you got to do is go see Night Ranger and it'd be your pick of the crowd. There are women all over the place. And the song was really about Kigi's little sister, Christy. And I think the song was called Sister Christy, but Blades kept thinking that he was saying Sister Christian, so it just kind of stuck. So it's funny how stuff like that happens, but uh, beautiful song and Kelly sings it unbelievable and it's still uh you know you still hear it on rock radio so probably one of the best ballads ever by the way it was written for dawn patrol but they didn't release it on dawn patrol because they're worried about losing their rock credibility and in the end they ended up being this kind of like movie uh soundtrack ballad writers anyway but uh the song worked out so your feelings on side one so, yeah, the first song I heard off this new record was You Can uh, Still Rock in America, and I loved it from the get-go. I mean, it's just an awesome, kick-ass uh, rockin' song. I wonder what this song would have done uh, had it come out, like, uh, right after 9-11. That would have been interesting. Oh, yeah, like a re-release? Yeah, yeah, because everything was so, you know, pro-American after 9-11. People made, you know, a mint with songs that were geared towards America. And so I wonder what this song would have done had it been released at that point in time. Or like you said, if it was a re-release or something like that on radio, what the response would have been. Probably pretty good, right? Yeah, and it's tricky to do stuff like that, right? Because you don't want to seem like you're trying to cash in. Yeah. So you wait till like maybe January or February, put it out there, and all proceeds go to the victims, that kind of thing. Yeah. It would have been, been huge. Yeah. Yeah, so I love that song. Um, Glenn Hughes provided backing vocals on that song in the studio. Rumors in the Air, second song. This was an interesting song the first time I heard it because of the volume knob stuff going on at the beginning. I just thought it was sort of unique. It reminded me a little bit of Eddie's dealing with cathedral on diver down kind of how he used the volume knob a lot. So it sort of had that, you know, just reminded me of that technique. And, and so I loved that song as well. I thought the melody in that song was really good. Why does love have to change again, not to reference Van Halen, but of course, the first thing you think of when you hear this song is the beginning of Ain't Talking About Love, right? It's that kind of muted picking going on, right? Do you hear that as well? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I see what you're saying. And then Sister Christian closes it out. Sister Christian was actually a demo song that was on their original demo tape before they even got signed. So this song was fairly old going back pre-Dawn Patrol. Uh, that was one of like, I think they they said there were four songs on that demo tape. I don't remember the other four, but I definitely remember uh, Sister Christian was one of them. And I think the story you, you uh, told was exactly uh, the way they told it as well on some interview that I'd heard with them. So, uh, you know, at the time, I thought Sister Christian was okay. I'm not a huge ballad person, but, you know, 
it stood the test of times. Not one of my favorite songs, just because I don't love ballads, and I've heard that one more than enough. But I think Boogie Nights breathed new life into that song, so uh, it's cool with me. Yeah, side one, great side. Uh, and I saw Night Ranger on this tour right after Sister Christian kind of broke big, and they just started headlining arenas on their own. So I saw them on a headlining tour for this uh, record. Oh, that's cool, because I hadn't seen him till later on. But uh, All right, so let's get to side two. First song on side two, Touch of Madness, written by Blades. I love songs like this. The, you know, song about a woman that's got a little crazy in her. Like, most guys love that. And, you know, lines like, I get high when I want to. Don't you think you need it to? Like, just, again, simple lyrics. And by the third verse, he's sharing how he's a little nuts and that they'd be perfect together. So... The song totally reminds me of me and my beautiful wife. We're a little crazy sometimes. Second song on side two, Passion Play, written by Blades. I love the way the song kind of fades in. And the lyrics can be taken a bunch of ways, but to me it's like when she turns on that like flirty passion, It's she's hard to say no to and that she has total control of what's going on. The song structure, man, it is perfection. Like this could have definitely been a single and it's got perfect guitar solos too.
Okay, so the third song, When You Close Your Eyes, written by Blades, Fitzgerald, and Gillis, reached number 14 on the Billboard 100, so obviously it did well. But the cool thing about Night Ranger, I've had the opportunity to meet them on the Monsters of Rock cruise in 2015. They have an amazing sense of humor. So unless you're kind of paying attention, you'll you'll miss the joke. But the song's about, you know, when you close your eyes, do you think about me? Because a man's trying to remember his ex-girlfriend. But the scenes in the video is now she's married to a chimpanzee, right? So the chimpanzee's sitting in the dad chair as they have like 15 kids. So uh, it's just kind of funny, but it's very subtle. The dual vocal on this song is awesome. And, you know, Kelly and Jack always sound good together, and Watson kills the solo. Fourth song on that side, Chipping Away by Blades and Gillis. It's one of the faster tempo songs, but one could argue that it has one of the catchiest chorus because it just kind of rings in your head after a while. And, uh, you know, it's that song about I'm head over heels for you, but I'm just kind of another guy in your world, right? So that's kind of what the song's about, but uh, it's an awesome song. And then the album ends a little weird, to be honest with you. It ends with Let Him Run, which is written by Blades, Kiki, and Watson. And the lyrics about, you know, the guy probably cheated on his woman, but she still lets him keep coming back. And Kelly's basically saying, look, lady, stop letting him come back. It's kind of a weird way to end the album because there's no guitar solos. It's a short song. It's a piano-type ballad. I love it, but uh, today, in 2019... My guess is people don't end albums this way. But uh, overall, your thoughts on side two. Kicks off with Touch of Madness. I had the cassette. I remember flipping it over, and that's the perfect song to kick off side two. Love Touch of Madness. Last couple times I've seen them, they were opening up with this song. They may still be opening up with this song. It's just such a killer song. I love it. Passion Play, it's another good one. I think the song is solid. It's a good, I'll call it for all intents and purposes, just melodic rock. When You Close Your Eyes, I think is melodically just an absolutely great song. I mean, it is really, really a good tune. It's well written. It sticks with you. It's a little poppy for my personal taste but that doesn't cause me not to like this song. I still love it quite a bit. Chipping Away, like you said, it's a great kind of up-tempo song, great memorable chorus, awesome guitars in this song. And then ending it with Let Him Run. I remember not liking Let Him Run that much, but I listened to it again today when when I was kind of doing research for this record. And, you know, the 12-string guitar on it, it's really nice. It's it's not a bad song. It's a nice uh, ballad song. And I didn't really think it was that bad a way to close out the record. You kind of end both sides of the cassette, if you will, with sort of slower tunes. So uh, I didn't have that big of an issue with it. All in all, in terms of this side, the songs, for the most part on this record, are fairly lengthy songs. I mean, each song is basically over four minutes long, except for maybe one or two tunes. So that's that's a little odd for sort of a melodic pop rock type band. But yeah, uh, it's a good side. Yeah, they kind of habit of, uh, at least on this album, they have this habit of song structure that they'll repeat the first verse again before they end the song. So it's uh, 
and maybe change a word or two. Uh, and I think that's what just made them longer. But yeah, so there you have it. Midnight Madness, Night Ranger. In my opinion, 39 minutes of super gooey lyrics, awesome guitars, catchy vocal melodies, and just overall perfection. Yeah, I do remember when this record first came out, I was I was disappointed from the standpoint of I was really a huge fan of Dawn Patrol. Dawn Patrol was my first um, discovery of Night Ranger, so it started with the first record. And to me, this record wasn't as good as Dawn Patrol for me personally. Now, looking back on it all these years later, I think the songwriting is much better for this this record. Uh, and I've grown to like this record very much. Now, do I love it better than Dawn Patrol? I think it's that whole memory thing where, you know, you're just kind of partial to where, where it started. So I don't know that I love it more than Dawn Patrol, but I do like it quite a bit. So yeah, great record. Is it on your Desert Island album list? You know, that's an interesting question. And I was trying to think about that today when I knew this was going to be your pick. And honestly, I don't know if I would put it on my Desert Island uh, records. But at the same time, I can't really make an argument for why it wouldn't be there. Because really, there aren't any songs on this record that I would necessarily skip. So if I'm going by that criteria where I'm saying a desert Island record has songs where every one of them, I at least like or better and I won't skip any of them. Then yeah, I guess it does fall on my desert Island records. So yeah. Coolness. Coolness. There you go. All right. Hold on. Let me get my cassette out and put this in. All right, so my Desert Island album is Back for the Attack, Dokken, released on November 2nd, 1987, produced by Neil Kernan. Uh, One of the engineers was none other than Toby Wright. It was mixed by Steve Thompson and Michael Barbario, who obviously those guys mixed a ton of stuff back in the day. And then it was mastered by Bob Ludwig, and Bob Ludwig has mastered all kinds of great stuff over the years. So this record, for the most part, sounds really good. It's a great sounding record. I can remember that the first track I heard off this record was obviously the opening track, and it knocked my socks off, Kiss of Death. It went straight from Kiss of Death into Prisoner. It went straight from Prisoner into Night by Night. And then we hit Standing in the Shadows.
Stand in the Shadows was one of the first songs on this record that really stood out to me. I love Stand in the Shadows. Written by Dokken, Lynch, and Pilsen. It's just a fantastic song. Then it goes on to Heaven Sent, and it ends with Mr. Scary, which is obviously the instrumental written by George Lynch, Jeff Pilsen. This record, it charted at number 13 on the Billboard 200. That was the highest position. It released three singles, Dream Warriors, Burning Like a Flame, and Prisoner. It is certified platinum, so it sold a million copies of this record. This record is kind of a good time, bad time for me in terms of docking because I loved this album so much when it was released. But at the same time, I also recall that they announced they were breaking up fairly quickly after this record was released, if memory serves me correctly. Do you remember anything about that? I don't remember the timing on that, but uh, I know that this recording was uh, definitely tough for them. Yeah. Yeah. They, they said that, uh, they were having a lot of issues, uh, at the time of this recording, there was a lot of infighting going on. I don't think there was ever time when there wasn't infighting going on with this band, but for sure, after the success of the first three records, this one, of course, was their fourth record, uh, release. It was coming after the success of under lock and key and, You know, to me, my recollection of this record and especially the first side was just this was kind of the heaviest that I remember hearing the band at any given point. They still kept that melodic sense about them, which I think is basically the harmonies and Don's voice. But this record, this first side was really just heavy guitar driven and I absolutely loved Side One. What are your thoughts on Side One? Kiss of Death, killer opening track, and it is one of my all-time favorite songs. It is perfect in every way. I will tell you that the George Lynch truthers out there, like Tony, are still trying to figure out what the hell he was doing in the solo. Prisoner, Night by Night, I think they got great choruses. They're both memorable. Standing in the Shadows, I love that eerie vibe, and it's definitely an underrated track for sure skip heaven sent for a second mr scary you know movie soundtrack type song there's probably three to five instrumentals i listened to period and this is one of them and my guess is don must have walked in and said damn that's awesome i can't write lyrics to it so let's stick it in somewhere is my guess but heaven sent i have to live my entire life knowing that goddamn every rose has its thorn went to number one or whatever but this song didn't go to number one. This is one of the best melodic ballad, power ballads ever written. I have no idea why this song wasn't bigger than, you know, stupid songs like Every Rose. Ugh. But uh, love that song. Dude, so that's an interesting perspective from you. And I would be curious to hear, and maybe you can put a poll out with this, but I would be curious to hear whether people think this is a power ballad or not, because I've never, ever perceived this song as a power ballad. I don't see it that way. I don't think it's ballady at all. I think it's just a, uh, uh, it's a straight up rock tune, but has maybe a little bit quieter and slower beginning, more like 
kind of like uh, for those about to rock, you know, has just that muted intro that's kind of quieter or whatever. Yeah, I've never perceived that as a power ballad. So it's interesting to hear that you you do. I would like to know what other people uh, view Heaven Sent as. Yeah, I could put a poll out for sure, no problem. Yeah, so what's your uh, what's your favorite track off a of side one? Oh, Kiss of Death for sure. Yeah. Number yeah, no doubt. Number two. Uh number two is gonna be Heaven Sent, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, hold on. Let me flip this over. All right. So on to side two of Back for the Attack. So many tears. You know, this was a song that when the title came up, I was like, I 
don't remember that song. Do I like this song? Do I not like this song? So I had to play it to remember what song this was. Of course, as soon as I played it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this tune. Yeah, I, I like this song, no problem. But what's interesting is you don't really ever hear anybody talk about this song. And they talk about a lot of different songs on this record all the time. It comes up in various groups and chats. And I know for us, we played probably maybe two or three tunes off this record at various different episodes and stuff like that. But uh, this is not one that comes up often uh, that we talk about. I like the song written by Doc and Lynch and Pilsen, of course. Great tune. And then it goes into what I consider the odd man out. And what I mean by that is burning like a flame reminds me of a song that was maybe written back in the tooth and nail days, maybe like almost a sister to uh, You Just Got Lucky. It has a different feel than the rest of the record to me. And that's not to say it's a bad song at all. I love it. I just feel like it's a little bit poppier and has just a different feeling than the rest of the record. And so this song I just felt like was always kind of interesting. It was one of three singles that they released for this record. I love it, but that's my perspective on it. Written by Lynch, Pilsen, Doc, and Brown. So written by the entire band. I'm curious to know whether maybe this song was an old demo or something that they resurrected from that time period in their career. Lost Behind the Wall, great song. Love it. Stop Fighting Love. Now, this, I think, is the one sort of what I would consider ballad on the record. Written by Pilsen, Lynch, Doc, and Brown. As ballads go, it's a great Doc and ballad. I think uh sounds great. I enjoy it. Cry of the Gypsy. <sighs>
I love this song. And then we uh, get to Sleepless Nights. Sleepless Nights to me is an underrated song that, or it's one of my favorites on the record. I don't know what it is about this tune. I just really like this song written by Lynch, Brown, and Pilsen. And then we finish off the record, which I'm not sure if it was always like this, whether this song was on the end of the record. I can't remember. It seems like in my head, and I won't swear by this, it might be completely crazy, but in my head, when they first released this record, it didn't have Dream Warriors at the end. They added Dream Warriors to the end of this record, maybe after the first pressing or something. I, I, I don't know. I may be completely crazy. Feel free to tell me I'm wrong. That's okay, because I'm not going to swear by it. But Dream Warriors, which our friend over at Potter and Hell, Steve Wright, I think he said he doesn't like this song. I've always liked Dream Warriors. I think, I think it's a great song. Uh, so I've always enjoyed this song written by Lynch and Pilsen. Great way to close out the record. What's your thoughts on side two there? Uh, so many tears. I think it's a great opener side two. Burning like a flame. Top 40 pop metal written all over it. Catchy as hell. When that song, if I hear that song at the beginning of the week on Sunday, it resonates with me all week. Lost Behind the Wall, great song, well-crafted, Stop Fighting Love, the chorus makes the song. I love that breakdown they do for the solo. Cry of the Gypsy, I love it that in the second verse, George is like basically soloing under the entire verse and the chorus. Like he's just constantly soloing during the song. It's just done so subtly underneath that you don't really notice it there. Sleepless Night, I remember uh, thinking this when it first came out, and I thought about it today again when I listened to it. I'm like, man, any of these songs done by Bon Jovi, they're number one hits. But because they're done by Dokken, they're not number one hits, and that's unfortunate. And uh, now that I think about it, they did announce they're breaking up pretty soon after this because I read somewhere that they were ready to headline arenas. And because of that, they were never big. They were never as big as the Rats and the Motley Crews because that was their chance, and they blew it. Yeah. And then Dream Warriors, I'm a little burnt on it, honestly. I wasn't a fan of the movie either. Uh, I still like the song, though. Uh, I just, you hear it so much that uh, I just kind of, to me, it's actually maybe the weakest song out of all the songs on both sides, uh, but I still like the song, but I would say my favorite song on the second side is Burning Like a Flame. My second favorite, Sleepless Night. Awesome. Yeah. Did you understand what I was saying about Burning Like a Flame, though, or do you completely just disagree with that? Uh, yeah, because it's not as heavy as all the other songs. So it's got that, you know, it says, so, hey, we got to have a single on this thing. Okay, well, here you go. You know, that kind of thing. But yeah. uh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, they still got the heavy guitar. I think he's probably just using maybe some different chord structures, maybe some happier chord structures, major chords, whatever. Uh, I'm not a musician, but it just it has a, a different feel to it. And it does just sort of remind me of like the pop melody type thing that was on like a Just Got Lucky, you know? Yeah, no, totally get it. I think that's why it did well. Yeah. Awesome. So um, this is a Desert Island record for you, correct? Number 25 on the list. You got them listed out, huh? In order. I got 40 of them. 
Wow. Okay. I, I don't know. I've never done a list, but you know, like I said, visiting each one, this is fun. This is the second volume of Desert Island Records that we've done. We're going to release it as a bonus episode. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed this little bonus episode that we've given to you right before Thanksgiving. We're going to close this thing out now. Anything else to say on either one of these two records? I would say listen to both of them before you go to grandma's house. And then when you're all done, put back for the attack back in and listen to kiss of death one more time before you hug your grandma. (laughs) And there you have it. So listen, one more time coming up in the next two weeks, it's going to be a family affair here at growing up rock, uh, starting with the coming Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we'll be releasing a episode of Stephen's Mixed Tapes, uh, and that will feature my wife. Uh, so my wife is going to come on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about her uh, experience with some of the concerts I've dragged her to and what she's learned from rock and roll because she is not like us. She is not a music geek. And uh, so it's an interesting conversation. It's a fun conversation. And uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy that. The following week, we'll be releasing another episode of Hollywood's Wild Hair, which folks seem to love those wild hairs, which is very cool. Uh, and he is going to be doing that with his beautifully talented 17-year-old daughter, Gianna, right? Yeah, you met her, finally. She's uh, she's one to be reckoned with. Yep. Sonny's got an awesome family, uh, and so, yeah, you guys are going to enjoy that episode. And of course, in both episodes, we like to play a wide variety of different music, and uh, both these episodes are no exception. They got a little something for everybody and some great surprises in there as well. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. Anything else you want to say before we end this and go eat some turkey? Uh, no, I wish I had won a Grammy and the week starts on Sunday. See you later. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.